0: We continue the season in review portion of the pod. First round pick, Mark Williams, is up today. What was his best game? We have a lot to get to with Mark on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. We live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your pods. And that does include YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com, promo code Locked On. If you are watching YouTube, you can see Doug with his Panthers hoodie on for it being the number one overall pick week. Carolina, who's going to be the QB? Who's going to be the savior? I don't Do you care. I don't that care that about care? any of I'm that.
1: You know what this is? this is? Uh, mm-hmm. It is a Panthers hoodie, but it's a light hoodie, and it's at time of the year when it's like 30 degrees in the morning and 70 degrees at Mm -hmm. night. And so that's why I'm wearing it. It's a light hoodie. It's easily, you can get out of it pretty easy. That's why I'm wearing. It. it has nothing to do with the Panthers.
0: Great minds think alike, doing the same thing. But mine's just like a boring navy hoodie. That's all I have. I Not did buy this. Hoodie.
1: I did buy this uh, at the game, the the NFC Championship game. Uh, oh, you know, okay.
0: So, you, before, so right, Perhaps a little good luck then, because you yeah. got it at a what was a mollywop of the Cardinals in that <laughs> NFC Championship game. So awesome stuff. We're gonna bring that. Yeah, I love it. Um, that's Doug Branson, everyhornetsboxscore.com. That's where you can go to read his stuff on his sub stack. And then you can listen to me on the radio every weekday on WFNZ from 12 to 3, Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Let's get to... Doug, I I think I would feel okay saying that Mark Williams was the biggest bright spot on the team. And then you might look at me and say, "Of course, what else would be?" Well, DSJ had a really nice story, but he didn't solve what was like a decade long problem at center for this squad. And (laughs) so, when you when you finally get the guy that you need, you needed to get it right this offseason. You know, that was the number one priority for Mitch Kupchak during the draft: get the center of the future. We had our feels when they passed on Jalen Duran. It's not like we never disliked Mark Williams. though. I don't know. I think I just didn't win too many negatives. We liked Mark Williams, <laughs> but I <laughs> was uh, trying to, uh, you know, Zach Galifianakis carry the two yeah, minus. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay I got it. Um, we like Mark Williams is where we'll end. But it was always about the process, the trade, whatever. We still did not leave the draft feeling fantastic. At the end, they did get Mark they got Bryce McGowan's, which is also a little bit of a bright spot too, with context, him being a second round pick, but we got a man. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy defensively made a huge impact offensively. He came on very strong. In fact, he wasn't very strong physically at the beginning of the year and still isn't mm-hmm. still has to get a lot of muscle still has to work out quite a bit in the, in the weight room, but also I, I would not call him soft. I just think that the aggression isn't there sometimes. And even then, I, I thought he got a lot better. I just I, I am leaving this season with Mark Williams having exceeded the expectations, and I already thought he could be a good player.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a bright spot for a lot of reasons, some of which you just mentioned there. But we have to recognize that it was a bright spot because he didn't really have a lot of competition this year in terms of bright spots. You know, LaMelo Ball spent a large majority yeah. of this season – Uh, On the bench and injured and and a lot of other players as well. And so Mark just being available in the second half of the season, uh, apart from the thumb sprain, uh, was uh, was an ability in and of itself and was a bright spot. And, And he did bring some energy. He brought, you know, I don't know if intensity, but he brought some smarts to the team. And that's the one thing that Clifford will point out over and over, that this guy is super smart on the floor, doesn't make a ton of mistakes, especially when the ball is in his his hands around the rim. You don't see him turning it over a lot. You see him converting uh, more so than not. Uh, So those were all bright spots. The other thing, too, is like, as you said, where he came from, we didn't really know if this was going to work out because he did spend a lot lot of time in Greensboro. We didn't know if that opportunity was going to hit. And then Nick Richards gets the ankle sprain around Christmas time, and Mark gets a chance to crack the rotation. And I think it also came in parallel with Nick Richards, who had a great start to the season. His shine started to diminish a little bit as we got into the doldrums of December. And so all of that came together for Mark to have that breakout game against Oklahoma City, 17 points, 13 rebounds, and then we went, oh, hold on, have have we just, have we just solved this thing? Is this, is this center position that we have just been uh, absolutely depressed over as Hornets fans for so long? Have we finally started to solve this thing? You know, the draft for so many Hornets fans – it has gone wrong so many times that I think a lot of, I'll speak for myself. Like, I was just expecting this not to work out. And it really had little to do with Mark Williams and more mm-hmm. so with the history of the Hornets drafting at this position. And so to watch that 17 and 13 blossom to him, ultimately starting when Mason Plumley was traded, and to continue to rack up good stats and double doubles and high block games, you know, that was, it was extremely encouraging and a relief, honestly.
0: Well, and look, I've mentioned it a couple of times. It was right after Christmas that he entered the rotation for sure. And I remember asking Mark Williams during exit day, just about what was the moment where you felt comfortable, like you really belonged. And he said, look, I always had a lot of confidence in myself, but when I stepped out there against Portland for that first time and had to go up against Nurkic and held my own, like he said, look, it was just solid. I felt good afterwards. The second game, three of five from the field, that was against Golden State. And, you know, didn't put up monster numbers, but scored six points, you know, just treading water and then boom, OKC, right? Small team, bullied him, 17 points, 13 rebounds, perfect from the field. And we're off and rolling, you know, so like in the third game, Mark is really a part of the rotation. He gives you 17 and 13 and takes advantage of the areas there are advantages to be taken. And that's what I think Mark Williams was able to continue to strive right after that. And really put together a string of good games here and there in the second half of the season. Plus, if we just want to look at some of the numbers here, if just for, for anybody that hasn't looked at the basketball reference page, nine points per game. He played 43 this season, 43 games total free throw percentage, a little down compared to what it was at Duke, but not awful by any means, like 69%. I'll take that from the center. from the field shooting ended up averaging seven rebounds per game. And Doug, if you look at cleaning the glass, the defense was a big hit for him, right? On numbers for him, the defense score, excuse me, the opposing offense scored five points less per 100 possessions that Mm -hmm. put him in the 89th percentile among bigs. The effective field goal percentage, he held the offense to about four points, three points less. Um, when you're talking about that, 93rd percentile for big. So those are just some of the numbers, if any of those stick out to you.
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, And I think it all points to some of the things that we saw on the floor. He has really good pick and roll IQ defensively. He's he's in the right spots. He's, he's not letting a lot of plays blow by him. Um, he's, uh, you know, uh, I think rebounds a lot with his length, less so with his body. Um, but I think he was able to help this team give up a few less offensive rebounds when he was on the floor and he and he moves guards out of the paint. I mean, you know, oh, guards yeah. were driving at will against Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley was not challenging a lot at the rim. And so when you put Mark Williams in there and you combined him with Nick Richards, who I thought provided a, an interesting compliment to to mark because and and Clifford pointed this out at the end of the year press conference as well, like, you know, Mark is going to give you all of that length, and he's going to give you all of that IQ, and then Nick Richards comes in and gives you a physicality and intensity, and a little something extra on the offensive end that Mark can't give you. And so they complemented each other well, I think, in in that respect. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked what I saw out of him this season, and and I'm excited to see him grow both physically and and hopefully with that physical growth and the game growth will come the sort of intensity and the aggression that I think was missing at times this Mm -hmm. season.
0: So maybe we can go what's next and maybe talk a little bit more about his offensive game. We, we've been focusing, I guess, a little more defensively with him. But before we do that in the next segment, I did want to talk about the best game for Mark Williams okay. this year, which was the one that you thought was the best contest. Going to tie in Nissan Aria because Hornets aren't in the playoffs. And this is locked on Hornets. If we're, we're not going to go to other teams and say they're the electric player of the week, okay? We're going to go back since we're doing these recaps. We're going to pick a game and tell you why Mark Williams was brilliantly fierce into this particular contest. So that's what we'll go with. Doug thought it was really easy, that there mm-hmm. was no question. There was one clear game that he performed the best in. So I give the floor to you, Doug, and we'll see if I get it right on the other side.
1: Well, well, I think, I think it is clear, but I think there were a lot of good numbers performances this season. But one of the big storylines, and we touched on it a little bit in this segment for Mark this season – was that he performed really, really well when the team on the other side played smaller or less physical. Mark was able to take advantage of those opportunities. So you saw him play well against OKC. You saw him play well against Dallas a few times in those big wins. Uh, closer to the end of the season. So you could pick one of those. He had some good games against Detroit. Again, another team uh, that played small. But I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with the game where he did play a tough defense and played really well, and that was on February 25th against Miami a Hornets win against Miami those are kind of rare 108 Mm, to 103 got 29 minutes 9 of 12 from the field 18 points and 20 rebounds only one block shot in this game so maybe you could look at the game against Houston where he had five block shots as your game of the year. But I'm going to take this Miami game because he went up against a physical defense. I thought Bam played a little soft in this game. So, you know, maybe I'm I'm killing my own point there. But this was a good win for the Hornets, 18 and 20 for the big man. I'm going to go with that game.
0: That's exactly what I have. So I I got the question right in your mind. Yep. It, It was against the Miami Heat. Well, and it was because it's it's against an established player who I don't care if he's a shorter center. Bam Adebayo will always be a potential all defender. I mean, first team, second team will get possibly some votes for defensive player of the year. And the fact that he put up those kind of numbers, still 20 rebounds. Oh, yeah. I, I'll tell you, I, mean, I mean, trying to trying to get rebounds against someone that is strong like Bam and can provide leverage, by the way. When you when you can't get lower than Bam, that's really tough. And Mark's still able to grab 20. And the other thing I'll mention into this game, he hit the last two field goals and Miami was within striking distance. So we had a couple of dunks in each uh, one layup, I believe in the second to last field goal made. And then a dunk with like 44 seconds that really sealed the deal and they were able to win. And, you know, Miami turns it over, they lose the ball. Um, they miss a couple shots. So Mark ended up really putting the last few stamps on that contest. So that's why Mark Williams, go ahead. You got one other thing.
1: One other point is that that was also a game where he played with LaMelo Ball who got oh, yeah. 40 minutes in that game and so if you're that looking for That second last
0: field goal was assisted by LaMelo
1: Exactly. And so if you're looking for a game that sort of signals the future of Mark Williams, because so many of Mark's minutes this season, we saw him play without LaMelo Ball. And what we're all interested in as fans is to see these two guys play together and develop that relationship. And to me, this was the first game where I felt like, okay, these two are finding a groove together. They're getting in sync here. And so this game really, I think, does represent if both these guys can stay healthy next season. Whoa. Watch out. Charlotte
0: Hornets. Uh, we got a two man game and we got one of those guys being a center. It's a beautiful thing. All right, we're doing this on the fly. I'm going to say Mark Williams, Nissan player of the week, and then you hit the graphic. Okay. Is that good? Go. Sounds go good. It. All right. Do it. That's why Mark Williams against the Heat on February 25th was the Nissan Aria player of the week that week. <laughs> Don't
1: go to sleep on the Hornets just yet.
0: And it was because he was electric, it was because he was brilliantly fierce and fiercely elegant and stunningly powerful all qualities that you can match from either mark against the heat or the electric vehicle that is the 2023 nissan aria that packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence now that's the one that's the one premium intelligence it's not listed in the qualities but if you don't mind nissan i'm going to take that premium intelligence i'm going to apply it to mark and make that comparison it's the all new, the all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at nissanusa.com. This episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy app or website where you can pick two to six players. And if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available, and they offer projections on really any sport you talk about. The NBA playoffs, NFL, MLB, men's and women's college basketball, WNBA starting up, soccer, eSports, everything. There's plenty more. you got to go check it out for yourself. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Plus you have safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 States and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to PrizePix.com, sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit a hundred, they give you a hundred. If you deposit 50, they'll give you 50. Do not forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 more Mark Williams coming up next
1: is locked on Hornets. Right, this says the Hornets received three votes for their handling of James Borrego, who was viewed as doing a good job the past couple of years before Charlotte fired Me, like him, him man. after the season, then hire him. No one's hired him. These GMs are like, Oh, we love James Borrego. Oh, you, you're going to hire him. Ah, I don't think yes. he got blown out. I'm twice. <laughs> a you can't hire that guy. <laughs>
0: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, let's focus on maybe the offensive side a little bit more and what he can do, because if we're going to project what's next with Mark Williams, we know that Steve Clifford at the very beginning of his start, not even entering the rotation, right? But even when Mark was playing very well in Greensboro, Steve always talked about how Mark is going to have to be able to hit threes, or at least that that's going to be a part of his future. And Mark backed that up at the end. I I told the story about giving him an over under on 10 attempted threes next season, and he took the over. So we'll see if that actually plays out, but he can hit in those short roll pick and pop opportunities. And we saw that a couple of times. I, I think it was against Oklahoma city. If I'm not mistaken, maybe no Phoenix, excuse me. It was against Phoenix in the Kevin Durant debut at the spectrum center where he hit a couple of jump shots and any jump (laughs) shot that he took you felt comfortable with right there was one I think it was against Cleveland at the end of the year where he was hesitant to take it but the defense just kept sagging off of him and he's like all right fine I'll take it and sure enough he hits it so I I like the ability to hit the pick and pop there I I want that to be more part of his game honestly I think that'll open up driving lanes a little bit more so um, I really like that ability on top of the dunking. And, man, he, he can dunk pretty powerfully despite how slim he is.
1: That, that Phoenix game was funny because he did go up against Kevin Durant and he got a few back down opportunities against Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant swatted it away. Right. It was just Katie's funny to, to see Mark be like, oh, Oh, yeah. there are guys that have my wingspan in this league. <laughs> oh, oh, you—you're like me. It was like the Spider-Man meme, except, instead of except the instead of the Spider-Men pointing at one another, it was just one of them blocking the hell out of the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a funny game. But yeah, I mean, offensively, I think there's a lot of room for his game to expand. You know, I think if he can shoot threes, it's a game changer for a lot of reasons, because this Hornets team needs to go five out at some point, And uh, none of the other centers have shown any kind of ability to hit a three, although I think that Nick Richards sneakily can shoot threes, and they are just hiding mm. it from us. That's my conspiracy That's theory. Right. Um, I, I think it seems like the staff has seen something in Mark Williams that makes them believe that he can shoot threes. Otherwise, I don't know why – They would even, you know, reveal that information uh, that that they think he can. So, you know, I'd like to see that if he's going to play summer league. I'd like to see it featured in summer league next season, um, or at least in the, you know, training camp preseason period. Try to see that expand a little bit more because it would open up just a ton more. The other thing we have to remember The thing that I closed the segment with, uh, the last segment with, he hasn't played a lot with the mellow ball. That's going to open up a ton for him offensively. There were a lot of games this season where where the ball just couldn't get to Mark Williams because there wasn't a lot of things to distract the defense from. The defense was allowed – to throw a couple of extra guys at Mark Williams when he started to get it going because there was no LaMelo ball on the floor and there weren't a lot of other offensive weapons that could distract a defense. And so a lot of things will open up for Mark when LaMelo uh, can return and, and get into a groove with him.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think, Mark, you know, I think there were times where it's not like you're wanting to do this anyway. The modern NBA does not call for post-ups. The field goal percentage wasn't great at all. In fact, it not only was it not great, it was 45% for Mark Williams post-ups. That's not anything that you want to continue to go to. I did think there were times where Mark showed that, hey, I can go get you a bucket if need be, and you throw it to me on the block. You know, this, it's not like he was to me he wasn't able to move any bodies closer to the basket but it's the touch like that's uh, honestly that's the stats or that's the ability to note here it's that that he's got a fantastic touch when he is you know five feet from the basket it doesn't matter if there's good defense on him he's got the wingspan and he's got the height to shoot over you with nice touch as well and so that's why I think he was able to get away even with scoring in some of those situations despite not being able to move his guy closer to the basket
1: yeah, he has good post feel, but mm-hmm. he's not going to be – I mean, maybe he develops into this, but but I would doubt it. He's not going to be like an Al Jefferson type of post player where you feed oh, him yeah. the ball on the block and watch him go to work. That's I just don't think that's going to be his game. It's going to be more him rolling hard or – just positioning himself well and there's other action that that ultimately lands the ball in his hands close to the basket but once he gets the ball there he doesn't make a lot of mistakes he makes quick decisions and and he gets the ball up and as you said combined with the touch that's going to equal a lot of easy buckets and oh by the way too in transition you know I mean he he runs extremely well in transition he's going to get a ton more opportunities next season if some of these guys stay a little bit healthier
0: no, transition's great because this team is going to be built for transition, right? That's a that's that's a such a good point because LaMelo Ball is the point guard that instantly makes your offense faster. I mean, it doesn't matter who else is on the roster. You can see the pace pick up and Mark Williams is down for that, right? Like the fact that you have a 7-foot-1 guy that's down for the running. And on top of whoever else you bring into this, that that's not a weakness. And that, I think that's a huge thing where we've seen him get out and transition. He is not someone that is going to take plays off at all. You know, this is someone that does have a high motor, even if the physicality is not there. So yeah, I really like that ability that he brings to this team too. just even like nice fit wise. That's why I think Mark Williams, even when the Hornets draft him with LaMelo, that's why that could be a really good pairing.
1: Yeah. One more upside piece on his offense would be the screening aspect of his game. I think he's a good screener. I, he, I think he has the potential to be a great screener and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes when he is screening. And and that's put into sharp contrast when he's playing with Nick Richards, who makes a lot of mistakes screening. I mean, so many offensive fouls from him and Kai Jones that it really stands out when you go, you know you think back and you go, man, I, I can't, can't think of a ton of times when Mark was called for a bad screen. So he's just, again, that goes to the IQ piece. It goes to sort of some of the fundamental pieces that are in place mm-hmm. already for Mark that he can build around. He doesn't have as much to figure out. I think a lot of these other guys, a lot of these other young guys on the team, including Bryce McGowan's JT Thor, they've, got, they've still got some stuff to really figure out when it comes to the NBA game. I think Mark has a lot of the basics figured out. It really is, I think, some a few intangibles and a little bit of work in the weight room that's going to mean big things for him in the future. And and I, and I think we have to judge him next season, especially early on, when he is facing teams that he struggled against last season, like New Orleans when he went up against Jonas Valanciunas, like against uh, New York when he went up against Mitchell Robinson and some of the big boys they can throw mm-hmm. at you. And then Chicago, who I think features just a lot of tough defenders and a tough defensive scheme that really tries to eliminate – your best players, and so those are the matchups. I'm not really going to care so much about how well he plays against Oklahoma City, Dallas, uh, Houston, Detroit. You know, some of the worst teams in the league, or some of the smaller teams in the league. I want to see next season can he start to tussle with the big boys?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair, and and you can expect him. You know, if he continues to improve the way that he did last year, then I think you can hopefully expect that. Um, you know, last thing I guess before we move on to the next segment, what what what. Place on the asset list that's already here with the team do you want to see him next year right like because he's already high I guess my point is do you expect him to be third best player on the team fourth I mean some of this depends on what they're going to do this offseason but is it fair to ask him to be a top four or even three player with the squad next year or do you think that'll happen maybe two years from now if it happens
1: oh no I I think there's (laughs) Yeah, there's enough room on this roster for him to be top 4. Yeah. This is not a, this is not a top to bottom talented team. So he's Just to know about next year. Well, look, so if well, you have no, but he's got a plenty of opportunity to make an impact yeah. and I, and I think some guys that are going to compete for that spot may ultimately move out of the roster at some point via Trey. That's always right. going to be a possibility when you're talking about Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I expect him to at least be the fourth best player on this team with the potential, you know, I mean, you're talking about LaMelo Ball up top, you're talking about Terry mm-hmm. Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Mark, you know, uh, obviously we got to throw uh, Miles Bridges in there with the possibility that he could be returning. So, right. yeah, I mean, I think there's a shot that he's outside of that top five or top four, but if it is, I'm honestly concerned at that point. If he's, if he's not competing at that level where he is, one of the four best players on this team i think the hornets to be successful next season actually need him to be top four
0: well an impact i mean just impact you could argue it had one of the bigger impacts his playing this season than some of the other players that you might mention and they need that
1: in fact you know this is going to sound like a slight to pj but it's really not they actually they probably need pj not to be one of the four best players on the team Right? Because if he is, to me, if if yeah. he's one of your top performers on the team, something has gone wrong.
0: Well, it just depends on who's ahead of him. Lamelo's always going to be number one. You want Mark because of the way that he's he just deters guards from driving in the paint. That's a big deal for your defense. And then Miles, if he comes back and he is something of what he was before he was arrested and missed the whole year. Th- that that probably puts pj at four depending on so it just depends on who's in front of him but right like i think largely yeah i completely agree um and we'll see what happens with pj i i will say mark pj lineups if mark can shoot the three and then having pj at the four the fact that your front court would be able to I'm knock dreamin'. down shots from the perimeter yeah that's i'm dreaming it's gonna be tough to stop all right let's go to uh, the last segment coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast
1: don't go to sleep on the hornets just yet
0: Doug usually brings the mock drafts, but he brought the tables today. He brought graphs for you. He's going to teach you. He's going to learn you a little something about the defense and the offense. For the Hornets, not only last season, not only two seasons ago, but since 2014, we got a lot of stats to go over in the next segment. This episode is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty in the simulation. And you're responsible for the dealing with challenging personalities, hiring the right coaches, trading and training the right players, also navigating your franchise through free agency and then you draft all the players that bring you the ups and downs that come along with their journeys trying to make it into the NBA. Locked on Hornets, by the way, the listeners get 100%, uh, 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com, ultimate basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. One more segment to go. Locked on Hornets is locked on hornets mitch Kupchak will he do the thing that he has not done in season anything
1: the thing that he has not done it always comes
0: back to do something just do do one thing you need to get a stick from outside and become the meme in person because (laughs) that it it always comes back to do something do something (laughs) it's time for more of the locked on hornets
1: podcast
0: Let's do a little NBA math here. Well, not from the website, but just NBA math in general. Let's have some of those tables there because you were surfing. You said this weekend you went down a basketball index rabbit hole and a few of those graphics showed up on the rundown. I believe you have that ability to show the people as well. Doug, why don't you show the people what you've been looking at?
1: Yeah, I'm going to post these images uh, as a post on our community page on YouTube. So if you haven't had an opportunity to check out our YouTube page, this would be a good time. All the people that uh, listen to us faithfully every day, uh, go check that out. YouTube.com forward slash Locked On LockedOnHornets podcast. So uh, this is from B-Ball Index, and they have a stat called LeBron, and it measures your impact uh, on the floor. And then they have this separated out by offensive LeBron and defensive LeBron or O-LeBron and D-LeBron. And uh, smart people like this stat. It's not perfect. There are a lot of stats out there that try to just give you impact. A lot of complicated math is involved. Uh, and so I generally trust it because, you know, when I look at things across the league, it makes sense to me anyway. So the, what you're looking at on the screen right now is a plot that shows players uh, offensive LeBron and their defensive of LeBron. And so you can see, obviously, in this scenario, being in the upper right quadrant means you are making a big impact on the offensive end and the defensive end of the floor. In the lower left quadrant means the exact opposite. And so a couple of things to note from this is, this is just this season, by the way. A couple of things to note from this one is that you've got uh, LaMelo and Terry way up on the offensive LeBron scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very low on the defensive end of the pl- floor. So they are up in the upper left-hand quadrant. And then you've got your defensive stalwarts like DSJ, who is leading the team in defense of LeBron, and Mark Williams, who is just behind him. And then you've got Kai Jones, who made a big defensive impact. But all three of those guys underwater when it comes to offensive LeBron. And then you have a, g- a lot of guys hovering around sort of the middle of this area, but below uh, underwater offensively, and some of them exceeding a little bit defensively. But nobody in that upper right quadrant. And so then I thought, well, let's see how it changed from last season when they won 43 games, got into the play-in, almost got into the playoffs. And so here is a headshot plot uh, from uh, combining both of the seasons. And you can see uh, that LaMelo Ball – Pretty much the same offensively, maybe a little bit better this season offensively in the few games that we saw him, uh, but probably took a step back on defense. Terry Rozier, major step back on defense um, as he took on more of the offensive responsibilities of the team. And then uh, defensively, uh, you know, Mason Plumley had a big, you can see here, Mason Plumlee had a big uh, increase offensively, but took a big step back defensively. Mm-hmm. So some things to note there. And then the final thing that I want to show you, Walker, and then we can. Well, kind can, of discuss. can I mention yeah.
0: something? Can we yeah. focus on those two real quick? Sure. So I think just with those first two graphics that you show, I don't think it's a coincidence that the two ball handlers from this year are at the top in the positive offensive region in LaMelo and Terry. And then when LaMelo's out and Terry's missing time and you don't have a legitimate point guard until DSJ comes back, but you remember, he was even hurt everybody suffers because of it. So you really are only talking about two guys in the positive offensive area, unless you're also talking about SU's Then you go to that second graphic where it includes the last two players, or excuse me, the last two years. Uh And lo and behold, a lot more people in the positive offensive area, right? Montrez, Miles, Terry, Lamello. Um, Terry and Lamello made it both years in pod. Kelly Oubre actually finished in the positive area despite having an atrocious second half that guy was still positive, right? So I think offensively that that's the thing that really hurts you in this past season. Yep. It's it's going to be tough when you're talking about nobody setting everybody up, getting everybody in the right area. Last year, probably a, a little better indicator of what um, of what truly was being measured there.
1: Yeah, and I've zoomed in. You can see that Lamelo Terry and Miles in 2022 all hovering around the same spot, mm-hmm. which is at about two o LeBron. And, and almost at 0-D LeBron, meaning... How about Trez,
0: by the averaged. way, like getting close to that? You know, Trez took it on the chin for his defense, and he's not good at it. I'm just saying, you know, Trez... I, I always will love Trez's short time here, man. So, yeah, also finishing positive.
1: But but the thing to know from these two graphics, the thing that, that you should take away, is that for the past two seasons, they have not had a single player that has been a positive on the offensive floor and a positive on the defensive floor. I think that's kind of the big takeaway. And so the final thing that I wanted to show you is because this is, was my question after this. Okay. So for the past two seasons, they haven't had one of those players. Have they had one of those players as far back as these stats go and they go back to 2014. um, So that would encapsulate the last time they made the actual playoffs. And so that's the final graphic. And the answer is yes, they have had players that have been positives on both ends of the floor. Uh, It's been Kimball Walker three times. It was Al Jefferson in the Bobcats playoff season. Marvin Williams, Josh McRoberts in the Bobcats playoff season. Uh, Cody Zeller, I'd have to see about that. He's like right on the line of being that. Um, Then you have a Nick Batum. That was the 2016 playoff season for the Hornets. Jeremy Lamb makes this list. Frank Kaminsky strangely makes this list for one of his seasons. No, people and are then not happy about uh, finally, Jeff Adrian is probably <laughs> oh, <yeah>. the weirdest <laughs> the weirdest name on this list. How did they
0: acquire him again? I forget. It was the trade. I forget what trade it was. We can get our research team on it. But yes, that was uh, uh, Jeff Adrian certainly is the one that finishes that off. And then everybody else, which again, it's hard, right? Like it's hard to be positive, offensive and defensive. Um, is there one that stands out to you? I, I think the things to to note for me is that Kimba positive defender in three of those years, right? I I don't Kimba was not, was not bad defensively. You know, he was small, but I, that, that's what I think we, I don't know how much we took it for granted or anything like that. It just goes to show, despite him being so small, there was some kind of positive that he would bring defensively. And it's almost kind of like the Steph Curry effect where people say, hey, just attack Steph. He's not good. Well, he's not great. He's not Draymond. He's not clay, but he's good and he's fine. And so I think yeah. that was the thing with Kimba. The other thing to note is um Nick Batum. If you look at those three seasons defensively, there were worse seasons of course, but offensively, man, I mean, he's right in that area in, in mm-hmm. each of those three seasons that he, uh, uh, that he played, um, he was, close he together, was who so he I was. was I mean, there was, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, as, right.
1: as much as we wanted him to change offensively, hmm. his game was his game and it probably fit more in the role that he currently occupies than the role that the Hornets probably no needed to, to have him be, or they needed to put some better players around him so that the, he could continue that role um, with the amount of money that was that he was making. But the big takeaways from all of this, I think, are number one, that for a long time, the Hornets have not had a superstar that could really be in the upper portions of this upper right quadrant where you're a two-way superstar. They haven't had that. But they've also lacked, I think, a lot of players that w- excelled at one thing or the other and then were average you know, in terms of their impact on the other end of the floor. So they haven't had a lot of superstars on the defensive end that didn't hurt them pretty significantly on the offensive end or vice versa. And so that's what I think. If they're going to get back to the playoffs, the graph has to look a lot more like it did in 2022 when you had guys like Miles and Lamelo and Terry who weren't absolutely destroying you on the defensive end but were also excelling on the offensive end Um, and, and that's going to be Steve Clifford. If he still is the coach next season, that's going to be his big challenge. How do you get some of these really talented, uh, pieces of firepower offensively to up their game defensively? Not that they become defensive superstars, but that they just do enough that, that you can, you know, operate efficiently on the defensive end. That's going to be the challenge.
0: I do think that's possible. I think with some of the moves that they can make this offseason, I certainly think that's possible. Well, look, he turned I, Al that,
1: Jefferson. I mean, you know, Al Jefferson was not a defensive player. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like that was not his strong no. suit, and you can see he finishes that that playoff season with a you know All NBA award, and you know he was a positive defensive player for that team. So it is possible. Uh, Steve Clifford has proven it's possible with this franchise. So I think that gives you some yeah. hope for next season.
0: All right, that'll do it. Thanks for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only locked on can deliver follow game to game on locked on NBA available on the odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast coming up for the next player recap. It's going to be Terry Rozier, so a big player Mm. tomorrow. Make sure you check that out. Again, anywhere you get your pods and watch our channel on YouTube. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.